Welcome, everybody, to episode 122 of the DCAU Review. I am one of the hosts, Cal, and with me, my good brother, my good friend, and the man who put together our tremendous intro for our Green Lantern Month. That's right. It's my good brother, Liam. Liam, first of all, kudos. What a tremendous piece of artwork you put together there. Big fan. Uh, you know, behind the scenes look here. You had this idea, put it together, sent it to me, and I was blown away. Uh, and that that's a great introduction to our month of Green Lantern that we're doing here. Absolutely. Uh, it was just something kind of fun I thought I'd, I'd play around with. And uh, yeah, I think it turned out all right. So I'm glad, uh, glad that you, I'm glad that you like it, and hopefully uh, our listeners will like it as well. But yes, we decided rather than what we usually do with our shows, which is every start of new month, we pick a new show to watch. This time we thought instead of doing that, let's just focus on a character, or in this case, several characters, that being the great and glorious Green Lanterns right here during their 80th, the 80th year that they've been in existence. Yeah, as you said, so we've had a lot of 80th. It, it was a it was a big year 80 years ago for DC Comics. A lot of characters celebrating their 80th anniversary this year. We've had Catwoman and Joker and Green Lantern, and I'm sure I'm missing at least one or two others uh, that have celebrated their 80th anniversary this year. But a lot big celebrations this year for a lot of DC characters. But Green Lantern certainly sticks out as certainly one of those uh, you know top top tier superheroes in the DC universe, despite maybe not being quite the box office draw that Mm -hmm. DC would have hoped and and maybe the butt of a few jokes when it comes to uh, film and cinema. uh, I would say that uh, he still has quite the strong reputation and name recognition for, uh, for being the character that he is being around 80 years and uh, multiple different characters that I think that's, what's most unique about it, Liam is that it's, it's not simply, one character that it has been the Green Lantern. It's not Bruce Wayne as Batman. It's not Clark Kent as Superman. It is a mantle that has been passed around and used with various different characters, each with their own unique sort of uh, ideals and, and variations and ways that they use the ring, which makes that character, to me, so great. Absolutely. I think, you know, depending on your age or what you watched or what you read when you were younger, your favorite Green Lantern might be the original, Alan Scott, the Golden Age. You might be a big fan of Hal Jordan, the Silver Age Green Lantern. If you if you grew up in the in the 90s, you might have a special appreciation for Guy Gardner in the Justice League International comics. And of course, if you grew up in the later 90s like we did, you probably have quite an affinity for Kyle Rayner, the uh, the 90s Green Lantern, who's sort of for a time the last of the Green Lanterns. And of course, thanks to the DCAU Review, obviously we're the DCAU Review and we love the DCAU, uh, their personification of Jon Stewart as voiced by Phil Lamar has sort of, I think, led to a resurgence for the Jon Stewart character, certainly in the books. He was sort of out of the Green Lantern world for a while and after the popularity of Justice League was brought back in. So yeah, whether you're a, an Alan Scott guy, a Hal Jordan guy, Kyle Rayner, Jessica Cruz or Jon Stewart, there are no wrong answers, but there's a lot of great Green Lantern characters to talk about, and we'll be talking about quite a few of them this month. 
Absolutely. We have a we have a various different series that we'll be covering, different incarnations of that character. Uh, definitely looking forward to checking each and every one of those out. Liam, this week, however, we are starting out with one of our favorite DCAU shows, of course, being Superman, the animated series. Uh, so we are kicking off his first appearance, him being Green Lantern. His first appearance in the DCAU, which came back in February, uh, February 6th to be exact, 1999, so uh, a little bit over uh, 20 years ago, 21 years ago, and uh, this was the debut of of Green Lantern in the DCAU, as I mentioned, and uh, we didn't get Alan Scott or Hal Jordan. We started out with one Kyle Rayner. Yeah, it's a, it was a really interesting choice here in uh, the episode in Brightest Day, which we're covering today. Um, obviously, I think that's partially because Kyle Rayner was was the Green Lantern in the books at the time, and whether or not that was a call from DC or whether or not this was just sort of an idea, like like we've talked about with some of the other DCU characters, Tim Drake's Robin being an example of kind of being a mishmash of a couple different characters. It's a, it's certainly a unique take on uh, on Kyle Rayner's origins, but it's still very true to who that character is in the books. Absolutely. All right, Liam, so before we jump into our review here, we always start off with the official IMDb synopsis. No substitutes accepted here for this one. So uh, let's start off with that. We mentioned in Brightest Day debuted back February the 6th, 1999. And uh, let's hear that full synopsis. Of course, and this is for the episode, as we mentioned, In Brightest Day, which was written by Hilary Bader, directed by Butch Lukic, with music by Michael McQuistian, and animation by Coco slash Dong Yang. And that synopsis reads as such. When Green Lantern Abern Sur fatally crash lands on Earth, his power ring selects a young artist as a replacement. That's a synopsis for about the first seven minutes of the program, I guess. <laughs> uh, so beyond that first seven minutes, though, Liam, we have multiple characters here that show up from Green Lantern lore. We get the Guardians, uh, not the Guardians of the Galaxy, although they technically are the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, not those Guardians of the Galaxy. Different and then we, <laughs> yes, exactly. These are the all, all the short, smaller blue fellows and females. Uh, we also get, of course, the man, main antagonist for this week's episode is Sinestro, making his DCAU debut. Of course, he would make other appearances later on in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. So, uh, yeah, let's let's chat about the episode as we jump into our plot here. Uh, the IMDb synopsis sort of comes up as Avansur crashes into Earth uh, during what is a landing of a uh, looks like a U.S space shuttle is doing a landing and Avensur's ship happens to crash land at the exact same moment causing the the ship to sort of uh, veer out of control and need a rescue from a man in a red cape and blue tights. Houston we are coming home. No matter how many times I see this I still get goosebumps. Just a routine landing. Yeah right. How many times have you flown around the moon Smallville? Entry trajectory holding steady. Jeez, please, what hit us? 
routine landing, huh? That's right. It's, yeah, it's a really interesting opening to the episode. You just you see, uh, it's sort of juxtaposed. First, we, we actually start the episode with Jimmy Olsen and Kyle Rayner, not yet the Green Lantern, sort of just having a chat at, uh, at a cafe. There's a mugger who suspiciously looks like Guy Gardner. Uh, comes and attacks attacks them, and, and Kyle fights them off, which I guess sort of establishes that Kyle already had some heroic qualities to him before he ever gets the ring. But yes, as, as the shuttle is coming in for a landing, they're sort of struck by this UFO, uh, for lack of a better term, that, that hits them. As we later find out, it is Abensur's ship. And yes, as Superman helps the shuttle land we get a you know a nice heroic superman classic superman moment and then we yeah he goes off to find the ship he sees a dying abensor uh, abensor t- tells the ring to go find a worthy replacement and uh, superman sort of sees abensor fade away to nothingness and then is sort of immediately accosted by sinestro a very then- obi-wan kenobi death Yes, yes. I, I, is that is that for all Green Lanterns when they die? Do they turn into green and fade away like that? Uh, or, is, probably, or is that specific to Abensur's alien race? It's probably due to standards and practices uh, not wanting to show actual death on screen, or at least like just a dead body falling away. So, uh, the, yeah, I, I guess it's canon, canon until proven otherwise that when Green Lanterns die, they turn into green gas and float away. Okay. Well, I guess that means we definitely know Kilowog didn't die in Justice League versus the Fatal Five then, because he didn't turn oh. into green gas and float away. Good point. Good point. I like that. Anyway, but back to this episode. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, from there, the, Kyle finds the ring. He's kind of messing with it. He's not really sure. Meanwhile, Superman is accosted by, as you mentioned, Cal Sinestro, sort of the greatest of all the Green Lantern's foes, him with his yellow power ring. And uh, after... Really, just really just bullying Superman for about five minutes. He he goes off in search of the ring, and he he and Kyle have sort of a brief fight. Once Kyle has finally sort of realized what the ring can do, and Kyle begins to hold his own, but then of course he's overmatched, and the ring, as is sort of commonplace if you've read Green Lantern comics over the years, the ring uh, loses its charge and needs a recharge. So Superman sort of returns and pulls Kyle out of harm's way and brings him the lantern battery and Kyle is able to fully charge up and we get sort of our final showdown between Kyle and Sinestro there. So it's uh, it's it's pretty straightforward. Honestly, it takes a while uh, to really get to our to our action in this episode other than that sort of brief scuffle between Superman and Sinestro early in the episode. Like it's a lot of kind of waiting around for for Kyle to finally put on the suit and go out and start doing heroic things and then to actually have the the battle with Sinestro that's really almost all loaded into that final act that final eight or eight or nine minutes yeah it's it's a very strangely paced episode that's how I how I sort of uh, put it it's mm-hmm. it's it is a lot of oh kyle is is kind of discovering things superman really isn't in it for 
like a large amount of the episode, which is why to me this almost feels like a backdoor pilot episode for a Green mm-hmm. Lantern spinoff animated series, which I, I didn't see anything in doing research that said that that was what the goal was for this episode. But I you have to wonder if they weren't putting feelers out as as Superman was sort of winding down. This is the third season of Superman. And they're looking for additional projects. DC ultimately uh, obviously ended up going with with Batman Beyond. But you wonder if this was just sort of testing out the waters of what DC would would feel like because of the way that not only the episode goes and the focus being on Kyle for so much of a Superman, the animated series episode. But then also the, the way that it sort of ends and. And, uh, you know, as 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 he and Sinestro do battle, Superman is incapacitated for the entirety of it. And, uh, you know, we we get Kyle, of course, eventually triumphant and Superman assists him in destroying the Sinestro ring. But then as as Superman and Kyle return to the Guardians, you know, Kyle is sort of protesting. He feels he's unworthy to to wield the ring based mm-hmm. on who he does, who he is and what he does. And the Guardians assure him that and Superman assure him that he's the perfect person for the job. We are grateful for your help, but there is much work for you on your whole planet. Green Lantern of Sector 2814. No offense, but you guys can't be serious. There must be someone better suited for the job. Like him. The ring has chosen you, Kyle Rayner. But I'm just an artist. I doodle in the margins of notepads. I daydream about color and form and monster trucks. I live half my life in a fantasy world. You sound perfect. So, yeah, it's it's a very strangely paced episode. It feels like it drags in some points, like it's just sort of mundane at, at certain points. Uh, when the action kicks in, especially the final scene between Kyle and 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 Sinestro, I, I think the action in that scene is is fantastic. But I, I do feel like it, there are, are points where the, it just sort of drags and feels like there's just a lack of a lack of story happening. Yeah, like a lot of that, the second act, if you will, of this episode, it's Kyle gets the ring, he trans, he puts like the suit turns on and then he sort of wills it away. And we see him sort of playing with that. We see him go back to trying to draw uh, and like the ring is making constructs out of what he's drawing and that kind of freaks him out. But that and that's sort of juxtaposed with Superman finding the power battery and sort of being transported to talk to the guardians and they we get like green lantern 101 we get like a little history of of the core and we get sort of images of some of the various other green lanterns throughout the galaxy some of which some of which would appear later on in, in justice league in slightly altered forms but so yeah we get like in the middle of it it's kind of this little this little history lesson for for comic book fans and i get it because you're introducing a new character but it did strike me that if you compare this to, say, uh, the, the Superman races the Flash episode, uh, Speed Demons, which we reviewed quite a long time ago, and you can find that at the archives at DCAUreview.com, 
where that episode is so simple because it's just Superman's there, the Flash shows up, they race, the Weather Wizard attacks him. Like, that's it. That's the right, there's no, there's no explanation of who the Flash is. You're just kind of assumed to know who the Flash is. Right, and it's simple, right? He's a guy who's fast. Even if you don't really know who he is, you can kind of figure it out. Right. Whereas this, we go, not only do we do, like, the full Abensur, I said in the comic books, Abensur is the Green Lantern who gives his ring to Hal Jordan, so they kind of combine that with with Kyle Rayner's own uh, origins as a as an artist who is sort of you know thrust into this this world of adventure. So they kind of combine Hal and Kyle's origins into one. You do this full origin, and then you do like I said in the middle, we have this little like Green Lantern history lesson that we get, and you also have to explain who Sinestro is and and that he was once a Green Lantern, and then when he took the po- when the power was taken back by the Guardians, he went and found this yellow ring, and has to, you know sworn to wreak havoc on the Green Lantern Corps from here on out. So we get all of that, and then yeah, the the last the last few minutes are, are really intense and action packed and fun, and like you said, there's kind of this nice ending where Kyle Kyle is telling the Guardians he doesn't really think he's ready for it; he's just an artist. And and they they reassure him that he's 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 the right guy for the job. And that's sort of where we end the episode is him and Superman floating back down towards Earth. It's a nice little ending. But, yeah, it's it takes a while to get there. So for for all those reasons, like I said, I don't don't hate this episode, but because of kind of the weird pacing, I actually settled on giving plot a six out of ten. Wow. Yeah, uh, I'm not too far off on that. I gave it a seven out of ten. Um, yeah, I think for those reasons, and and because we we really don't get a follow much of a follow up with Kyle. I mean, he does he does show up later on in Justice League Unlimited, which uh, you know might be on the horizon of an episode that we may review in the not too distant future. But hmm. uh, that episode, that episode sort of um sort of alludes to the fact that he's been been hanging out on oa but there's no no real explanation of where this character goes or why john stewart ends up being the the green lantern that sort of covers earth at that at that point going forward or there's there's really no explanation and there's no really real follow-up we didn't get a next season of superman so we don't know if that would have been something a character that would have played a bigger role in, in later on in the Superman animated series if it had continued or or what. But it, it just kind of feels it, like a, as a standalone episode, it it's fine. But when you look at it as a whole for the DCAU, it, it's sort of just it's a weird just it's a weird episode to, to try and fit into <laughs> continuity, to try and fit into into pacing and, and the tone of the episode altogether. Yeah, and I think that is part of it because we sort of, being that we are the DCAU review and we review all of these shows, um, it is kind of weird because obviously I think for most people who are DCAU fans, Jon Stewart is such a huge part of Justice League. And like you said, there are, there are, is one other episode where Kyle Rayner returns and he is mentioned offhandedly, I think, one or two other times. And I think he shows up at Superman's funeral in, uh, in Hereafter, but... He's also they, uh, in Justice League versus Fatal Five in a, in a uniform that we had never seen before. But oh, that's that's true. Yeah, we see uh, the statues of him and uh, John, as well as Jessica Cruz, Guy Gardner, and Hal Jordan. Uh, good luck to our friends who uh, who try to figure out how that fits in the timeline. But 
yeah, no, there's that. I, he does exist in this world and is, is apparently, according to Justice League versus the Fatal Five, is seen as sort of one of the greatest Green Lanterns when all things are said and done. But yeah, we get very little, uh, very little more of uh, of Kyle in in this universe. So I think, and it, like in a bubble, it's okay. It's just like this little Green Green Lantern origin tale that happens to feature Superman, but uh as a as sort of this a part of this larger universe yeah it does kind of feel like it's this weird one-off with this character that never really gets a lot of focus after this agreed all right well, let's move on to visuals and animation uh visually as we mentioned it's a little slow to start i feel like but there are some fantastic visuals i feel like that come into play uh in, in various different uh aspects here uh, anything stand out for you yeah, I mean, as we mentioned, as we mentioned, it's uh, most of the action is is backloaded. It's in those last few minutes of the episode, and it is great. Um, for the rest of the episode, I do I do like the sequence of Superman uh, sort of steadying the shuttle as it's coming in, and sort of burning, starting to burn up on reentry. Um, I think that's cool, and the scene of him helping it land on the uh, on the uh, the the uh, the the boat and and then sort of flying off as all the the navy men and women cheer him and the I love I love the uh he salutes as he's flying away and the the astronaut salutes back at him. I don't know why but that's like that's such a that's such <laughs> like a 50 Superman thing but I loved it. I thought that was that was a really cute little moment. And then yeah, from there like we said we uh we have that brief fight between Sinestro and Superman. And then it's, like we said, a lot of kind of sitting around and Kyle sort of struggling with this ring that he can't get off of his finger. And, and it all sort of comes to a head when finally he's kind of out in the city and, and runs uh, runs in to save this girl who's about to be hit by a truck. And he realizes that the, the ring can actually do quite a bit for him. And, and Sinestro sort of immediately shows up there to, to have their first fight. And then yeah, from the rest of the episode, it's it's pretty it's pretty action heavy, and there's a lot of fun stuff in there. A lot of great moments as uh, as Kyle and and Sinestro kind of clash. A lot of cool Green Lantern ring constructs, which is kind of something I think people complained about with Justice League was that John Stewart didn't make a lot of constructs. He's more of a laser beams and circle shields guy, which I think is fine because that character is meant to be more serious and and militaristic with his ring so i didn't and that never really bothered me but seeing kyle like make a giant crowbar to free the guy who's stuck in the the overturned uh 18 wheeler and making like giant hands and then at the end he makes the giant battery to shove sinestro into they, they did some really cool stuff with the constructs i thought sinestro's as well yeah that was one of the the big notes that i had written down here is in uh, right off the bat, when Sinestro and Superman clash, uh, Sinestro uses cons- constructs. He uses uh, a saw, hammer. Uh, then we see Kyle use a crowbar and a wrench. Uh, he even makes a construct of gum that he uses <laughs> to uh, to trap Sinestro in their first battle. Sinestro goes to the classic giant hand gimmick uh, as he punches. He ends up punching. Uh, Kyle with a giant oversized yellow hand. He creates mm-hmm. missiles, a mace, axes, 
And uh, then this sort of like weird ground drill fracking machine that he ties Superman to and uh, and drills him into the like deep into the Earth's core in order to prevent him from from interacting during their uh, their battle at the end there. So uh, there's a lot of a lot of great construct visuals as you said that was something that was sort of lacking in in John Stewart and sort of maybe just who he was as a uh, as a green lantern um but we also see i mean there were some 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 great cameos also some little easter eggs uh, of course you'd have to be blind not to see it but in the very first scene we see uh, as Jimmy and Kyle are at this cafe there is uh, some artwork that's presented by Kyle to to Jimmy to look at, and it's definitely straight up uh, Jack Kirby, if not Bruce Tim, uh, inspired comic panels mm-hmm. uh, that are that are just I, they're either they're either Bruce Tim straight ripping off Jack Kirby or they're they're <laughs> designed to be Jack Kirby esque. Uh, but I thought those were great. Kyle gets of course his rejection letter that is not quite. Uh, is letting him know his his art is not quite up to snuff is from DC Comics, which led me to ask. So if DC Comics is canon in the DCAU, mm-hmm. what does that mean? <laughs> well, what does DC stand for in that world? Because DC in the real world stands for Detective Comics. That's right. The company is called Detective Comics Comics. <laughs> and Detective <laughs> Comics is where Batman camp came from. So is there an right. alternate detective comics comics that just didn't feature batman oh maybe it's just straight up detective stories like like they just went from from the original pathway and then maybe like the the artwork that he submitted was clearly sci-fi jack kirby fourth world-esque looking characters so maybe it was i think the hero shown punching i think that's geoforce okay um I i i think that's who that was it certainly looked like him it was I think the the older brother of Terra, the Teen Titan, and is sort of this, uh, you know, this. I think he's like a prince in this one of one of the fictional uh, uh, DC countries. Um, but I think that was Geoforce there, and yeah, they they. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, I I am fascinated with the idea of what a <laughs> fictional DC comics like what kind of comics they're producing. I, I am I am fascinated by this. Well, po- definitely, possibly the Tiny Toons uh, comic that we see one of Joker's Ooh. thugs reading later or earlier on in Batman the Animated Series could be a, a DC Comics production. But yeah, okay. here we are. Okay. Here we are creating canon. Remember, it's canon until proven otherwise. That's right. Anything that you hear here 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 on the DCAU is canon until until proven otherwise. So. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so that the the constructs, as you already mentioned, the guy Gardner cameo uh, with the thug looking similar to him, and uh, really just that entire battle between Sinestro and Kyle at the very end is is done so beautifully. Uh, a lot of flight and back and forth, and the ult- ultimate culmination of their battle where they sort of clash with their rings hitting each other and the the energy. Uh, explosion happening. Uh, just it looked right out of a, a Green Lantern panel. Uh, very, very iconic sort of clash there between the, the green and the yellow uh, of the of the Sinestro and Green Lantern ring. So uh, really, really great. I really appreciated that. E- even though it took a while to get to that heavier action piece, I thought that it more than made up for it by the time you got to it. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, a couple other little notes I had here was there are a couple of uh, cool little Easter eggs. 
One being the, the cafe that Kyle and Jimmy Olsen are at at the beginning of the episode was called Gills, which is a reference to Gil Kane, one of the uh, one of the sort of quintessential Green Lantern uh, writers of the Silver Age. And then uh, later on, when they're at the airfield, uh, there's actually two Easter eggs in that scene. One being that the the airfield is called I think it's called like Broom Lake, which is uh, a reference to John Broom, who's another uh, Green Lantern uh, artist and, and creator from that era. And then also, of course, Kyle is thrown into a fighter jet, which happens to have the name of Colonel Hal Jordan on the side of it. So that's a, hmm. a cute little uh, wink and a nod. So we definitely know he exists beyond his beyond his future statue in the Legion halls in Justice League versus the Fatal Five. There's definitely a Hal Jordan who exists somewhere in uh, in this world. We we unfortunately never really get to meet him as of yet, at least. But uh, yeah, some funny strings. And I guess the only other thing to talk about here, Cal, before we give our scores, is like the Green Lantern design itself. Um, the suit is similar to the suit that Jon Stewart would later wear in uh, in Justice League, uh, with the exception of he has sort of all black boots instead of the green boots and Kyle's mask is a bit obviously he wears a mask unlike unlike John Stewart. Uh he kind of has but instead of sort of the traditional like super weird uh Kyle Rayner ma- mask that has like a lot of detailing on it, it's more sort of the classic uh Green Lantern sort of mask. So what did you think of Kyle's design in this episode? Uh I'm not a huge fan of it. I was glad when they ended up bringing him back in the return later on in Justice League Unlimited. And even in the hereafter episode, uh, he was given an upgrade in costume. Well, does he have the upgrade in? He does not have the upgrade. in. No, and he still has his brown hair. So that's right. Hereafter, he looks exactly the same in in uh, however, in. In the return, he's finally given an upgrade to his his costume that was uh, comic uh, canon at that time. Uh, I I much prefer him to have a unique look. Obviously, this character is sort of a mishmash of the Kyle and Hal Jordan origin. Uh, he's not the true the true origin that that Kyle had in the in the 90s comics. Yes, he's an artist as Kyle was, but you know he he's not the last of the Green Lanterns. He's the first of the Green Lanterns, really, of of this sector. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I accepted that, that costume for, for John. I think it fits John Stewart. Well, I like that they all have the same uniform, but for that character, it just doesn't, it feels more like Hal Jordan than it does Kyle. With that said, the design itself is not a bad design. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a classic Green Lantern-esque design. It's, it's, it's been around for quite a while. I was never a fan of the white gloves look. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that having those green wrist guards and the, and the all black gloves were fine. Uh, the, the no, no boots was something I didn't even, I don't think I even noticed as I was watching the episode until you just brought it up. I mean, I, it's definitely different. Um, but you know, I, one of the things that makes Kyle Kyle is because he's an artist and the things that he does is he, he thinks outside of the box. And if, if you are an artist or if you have any sort of artistic uh, in, incline to you, you know that like creativity is, is a huge aspect of your artistry. That's, that's like goes hand in hand with that. So Kyle always having a unique costume that was, you know, his own spin on things and not the, 
the standard costume always spoke to me and layered that character a little bit, especially in, in standard DC continuity. So um, having just sort of a standard run-of-the-mill costume that matched everybody else was, was kind of a bummer of a letdown for me um, and, and doesn't necessarily feel like that Kyle character, all, all things considered. Yeah, I think it's, like I said, and you kind of accept it because it's, it's his sort of rookie outfit. So obviously, again, later on in, in JLU, they do use one of his sort of more classic redesigned looks. And uh, I guess in the time it was his current look in the books, but they uh, they definitely, it's definitely, it doesn't necessarily feel very Kyle-ish. But I think, again, you can, like you said, you can kind of accept it because it's, it's a fine design, and also, like we said, it's a he's sort of an amalgamation of of a couple Green Lanterns here, and plus, you imagine that this is kind of the default suit that everybody is in when they first put the ring on, and then later on they can they can kind of personalize it, I guess, maybe once they graduate to like a higher ranking within the core or something. But uh, yeah, um, overall, like I said, it's it it was tough giving this a score, um, but because the last uh, probably 10 minutes and uh, actually that the last thing I wanted to mention in visuals is uh, the oath when we get the oath for the first first time I think that's really really breathtaking stuff uh, where he sort of puts his his ring up to the lantern and it begins to glow and you you hear the guardians doing the oath and it's sort of apparently apparently it imprints on your mind and you just know it because Kyle begins to say it along with them how does it work You'd better figure it out. And fast. Do it, Kyle. Now. In brightest day, in blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's light. I thought that visual was stunning, and so for for the for basically the, the third act alone, I have actually given visuals a very strong ten out of ten. Nice. Uh, yeah, I think for me it was the the combination of the the creativity with the constructs. Um, I think I think Sinestro, uh, while he has his classic Sinestro look, I appreciate that it also has a little bit of a Jack Kirby uh, Namor uh, vibe to it. Also, mm-hmm. with the hairstyle and the the pointed ears, which I guess the pointed ears were sort of always a part of that character, but uh, th- this one sort of gi- it gives it more of that that. 1950s Marvel villain design or anti-hero, I guess Namor was. Uh, but uh, and instead of the giant sort of bulbous head that that Sinestro has in the uh, in the comics or he had in Super Friends, uh, I I will say that. I'm a huge fan of the Sinestro Corps costumes and, and uniforms, mm-hmm. uh, giving them their own look uh, since they are supposed to be the rival to the Green Lantern Corps. So I'm a big fan of them upgrading and changing that in comics continuity. It's a shame we, we never actually saw that in in the animated series or in the DCAU at all. Uh, obviously this would have been long before the Sinestro Corps debuted, but I will say just my two cents, the Sinestro Corps is a, is certainly an upgrade over that old weird blue and black uniform that didn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> with that said, uh, for all those reasons and just the, the things that I loved about this, that final battle between, between them, the, yeah, the, the GL oath, I, I neglected to mention that as well. That's a, that's a pivotal 
great scene. And uh, if that doesn't give you a little bit of, if that doesn't raise your hair on your arms a little bit, uh, check your pulse because that's uh, <laughs> a little goosebump inducing when you listen to it. So uh, for that reason, I gave visuals also a 10 out of 10. Nice. Yeah, very strong episode to watch. All right, Liam, let's move on to our next category, which is going to be music. Thankfully, this is one of the episodes that is featured on the only release of Superman the Animated Series soundtrack, so we do get some of the pivotal moments here, who I believe you said were, were done by Michael McQuistion. Uh, so who did you, what did you think of the soundtrack this week? I really, really liked it. Um, I had a few notes just from watching the episode. But then, uh, yes, as you mentioned, we are actually able to listen to the soundtrack isolated, uh, thanks to that being on the one Superman the Animated Series release from uh, La La Land Records. Would love to get the whole series released, if, uh, if at all possible. <laughs> Just going to keep beating that drum. Um, but yes, uh, this, this episode, or some of the music featured in this episode, is, uh, is available, uh, is readily available. And, when you hear it, the sort of main Green Lantern theme that plays throughout the episode, it plays sort of when we first see the ring leave Abin Sur and, and travel through Metropolis to find Kyle. We, we hear it again when, when Superman is kind of getting his, his history lesson about the Green Lantern Corps. We hear it yet one more time when, when Kyle is, is saying the oath, and then we get it sort of at the end of the episode. It's very, um, it's very Star Trek-y. Um, which mm-hmm. I'm guessing was not an accident. Sure. Um, and it's it's very uh, it's very kind of it's not the driving like John Williams Star Wars type music, but it's very spacey. Yeah, it, it has that sort of explorative, uh, new frontier esque uh, sound sound to it. It's definitely like I said that this was another thing that led me to believe that this was sort of a pitch or a, a backdoor pilot for a series because. The theme is is something that's very memorable. It when you hear it, like it wasn't something that I remembered off the top of my head, but as you get into this episode and you get into the pivotal moments and it, it comes in and it overlays, this is a the theme that would have played very well had it been its own animated series. And um, yeah, like you said, it sort of ha- sort of has that uh, space odyssey type sound to it mm-hmm. that gives you a that space exploration idea behind it it invokes some emotion in that way it feels a flighty as if you're 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 in the air flying with kyle maybe through mm-hmm. uh, through the ups and downs of the of the tune um yeah really really great really memorable and and it plays at very important pivotal points of the episode and it swells at the right parts especially we the aforementioned time when he's giving the oath and it really really swells or at the end of the episode when he's being reassured by the guardians and and superman that uh you know he is fit for the job even his very first sort of heroic deed that he does outside of saving jimmy's camera uh when he first puts on the costume and saves the little girl from from being hit by the by the truck as she's chasing her ball out in the middle of the street as cliched as that is like the superhero mm-hmm. saves the child from their ball that's rolled out into the street it it works that the theme comes in and it comes in very strong evokes invoking strong emotion i felt absolutely and uh, yeah there's i have two other notes on the music here uh one is of course i, I like to mention that when superman's saving the shuttle we get a, a good rendition of, of shirley walker's superman theme um, I think the music when Sinestro sort of first descends, both when he meets with Superman and then 
when he has this first confrontation with Kyle in, in the middle of Metropolis. It's really dramatic and sinister. Uh, I really like the kind of Sinestro theme. It's not, again, it's not the most overt, like, it's not like a Joker theme or something like that, or, or something that you're going to hum necessarily, but it's real sinister and really adds to this momentum of Kyle sort of experiencing this this high high of realizing that he's now a hero and he has this ring that can do all this incredible stuff with immediately cutting him off sort of by introducing this incredibly angry and vengeful foe for him to fight thought that was good and sort of the subsequent music as, as Sinestro is chasing Kyle through the city I thought is, is really good as well um, so yeah, it's a, it's a really, really strong score all around, and, and for all those reasons, I actually gave music another 10 out of 10. Wow. Yeah, I'm right there. I gave it a, I gave it a 9 out of 10. Uh, it, it is very strong. I think that that theme is very, very memorable, and uh, I really appreciate the fact that this is something we can listen to in isolation, as we mentioned, on the soundtrack. Check it out. Uh, you can find it. I don't know if you can find it on a streaming service or not, because I'm not sure that WB did that, but... Uh, if you can find a copy of the of the soundtrack in and of itself and a hard copy in a CD, you see kids, they're back in the day, there were these things called CDs that you listen to music on. Uh, but uh, ch- definitely check that out. I'm sure you can pull up the audio on YouTube also. It's um, it's it's good to it's a it's a good fun soundtrack to remember and listen to and kind of get those nostalgic feelings. I kind of wish they had carried it on further on. Like we, like this makes me want to have gotten a, a Green Lantern uh, DCAU spinoff show. So uh, that's never my too only. Late. It, this is true. This is true. We are. It's never too late. We can start a new project. No, no active DC cartoons have a running series other than than Teen Titans Go. So uh, <laughs> let's get something on the let's get something on the airwaves there, WB. Anyway, I love it. All right, Liam, let's move on to our last category of the day, and that is going to be voice acting. As I mentioned, so we have a we have a little bit of a larger cast than normal. Uh, we have some returning folks as we get back into the Superman the Animated Series world here. Some familiar voices, uh, and of course, a couple of new ones with debuting characters. Who uh, is a part of our voice cast for this week? Yeah, so we have our, our main Superman cast, as you mentioned. We have Tim Daly as Superman. We have Dana Delaney as Lois Lane, George Dunza as Perry White, and David Kaufman as Jimmy Olsen. Uh, all of them, including Tim Daly as Superman, are very minor roles in this episode, because obviously a lot of it takes place within the Daily Planet as as Kyle is, is an artist who's kind of uh, I guess draws for the for the Daily Planet and uh, is uh, sort of accosted by this ring. So uh, we get a lot of those voice actors. None of them really have a big role to play, other than uh, like we said, Kyle is hanging out with Jimmy Olsen at the start of the episode. But uh, yeah, everybody kind of has a moment or two. But then, as we said, Superman is incapacitated for quite a bit of this episode and, and Kyle really gets, gets the shine. Not that any of our regular Superman players were bad in the episode. It's just, they're very minor roles compared to our guest cast. We have Peter Richman who played both Abensor and the male guardian. Um, we have Ted Levine or Levine apologies if I'm messing that up, who folks might know from the movie silence of the lambs playing Sinestro. Um, I really like him as Sinestro because at first I wasn't really feeling it when he's first talking to Superman, but there's sort of this change in his voice towards the end of the episode. Um, 
and he's he's sort of yelling as he's fighting with Kyle that you know he's explaining I was I was too powerful the guardians were afraid of me and it's all the super over the top super villain stuff but I thought he did a really good job uh, I would agree with you that it started out very uh, inconsistent, I would say, which maybe led to an overall uh, thought that it was a bit of an inconsistent performance. But I, I agree with you 100 percent that his strongest bit comes at the end when he and Kyle are really battling. Um, I had also marked down that that line that he delivers uh, as he's in pursuit of Kyle uh, after Kyle has recharged the ring. And he says that he could, that he could have been the greatest green lantern ever. Best shot. I could have been the greatest green lantern ever. That's why the guardians were afraid of me. Why they took my ring away. They never imagined I would return to destroy them all. Uh, he screams that he sort of breaks up the line through a little bit of action. It's, it's delivered really, really well. It leads to a, a sort of uh, pun intended sinister type uh, delivery <laughs> for him and, and a, a sinister performance. I would say that it was a little weak at the beginning and maybe some of that had to do with the 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 content that he had to deliver. Maybe not so much as the performance, but I think he does pull it out at the end and give a strong a strong performance. Yeah, and I think his interactions with uh, Michael P. Greco as Kyle Rayner are also are also really good, and I think that also adds to it. I think when he's sort of just standing there in this very stoic, generic voice when he's talking to Superman is isn't as good, but when he's sort of playing off of, of Michael Greco's Kyle Rayner, I think that's when it starts to shine because uh, you know Kyle Rayner's kind of this young he's not he's not really cocky yet because he's still sort of experiencing all this stuff for the first time but he's he still talks a lot and so there's the scene where as as we mentioned sinestro has him in the grip of this giant uh you know yellow construct hand and and kyle rayner's like don't don't you want to talk don't you want to explain your evil plans to me and and sinestro very matter-of-factly just says no to show me your innate superiority? No. (laughs) (laughs) And continues to attack him. I thought that was really funny. And I think the the, the interplay between uh, Kyle Rayner and Sinestro, uh, Michael Greco and Ted Levine there, I think that's where it kind of shines as far as uh, vocal performances in this episode. Um, like I said, none of the, the other, the main players, the Superman, the animated series cast are bad in this episode. They just don't have much to do. I think Tim Daly is fine, but, uh, yeah, overall I, I settled on giving voice acting a seven out of 10. I didn't think anybody was great, but certainly nothing bad either. Yeah, I gave it an eight out of 10. Um, I, I had started off a little bit higher and then, or I'm sorry, a little bit lower. And then my score came up a little bit with that final clash scene. Um, it's, it's hard because I, again, the material maybe wasn't as written as strong. Some of the dialogue isn't as strong. There isn't as much, 
uh, Tim Daly interaction uh, with Mr. Greco that did the 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 voice of Kyle. There's some, but there's not a ton. And because of the again, maybe maybe it goes back to the pacing of the episode and sort of them kind of having to jam all of this into 22 minutes. Um, it 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 just there are points where it just the performances seemed a little inconsistent. Um, I guess if we were fantasy booking this, Liam, would you would you think that this would be an, one of those episodes we talk about it a lot, where an episode maybe having time to breathe a little bit, uh, you know, fitting into a, a two-parter instead of uh, a 22-minute episode? Would this have been one? Do you think that would have benefited from that, perhaps? Yeah, I I think maybe so, if only because, and we we've talked about this a lot. Uh, season one of Justice League was known uh, known by by some fans as the super wimp season, mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of that on display here, where like we have Superman in the episode, but he can't, we don't want him to be the focus, so we just keep having him get beat up. Right. So maybe if part one was more of like a, a more epic clash between Superman and Sinestro, and ultimately. Superman fights valiantly, but is sort of a little bit overmatched by this this new foe he's never encountered before. And part two is sort of maybe Kyle going to rescue him or, or maybe, and yeah, maybe if it had a little more time to breathe, it could have been. Which is funny because it's sort of weird. We talked about sort of the weird pace where maybe it doesn't need to be two parts. It just if we had gotten to the action a little bit quicker in that second act and maybe there's like a more maybe Kyle has like a more deadlier encounter or closer to deadlier encounter with Sinestro the first time and Superman like is there to give him a big pep talk and tell him that hey it's it's not the power that's going to make you a hero it's your courage it's your and all of that if, if we get like a big a big you know the the big time main hero giving the new hero a pep talk scene that could have worked but yeah as, as it happens like we said we kind of save all the action for the last eight or nine minutes and then Kyle sort of just becomes the hero like there isn't like a big moment other than him charging his ring in the lantern that really shifts him from you know anxiety ridden artist to you know to full-fledged hero so yeah maybe we could have maybe it didn't need to be two parts and maybe it just could have been uh fleshed out a little bit better in the time we had and maybe with more interaction between superman and and Kyle, it, it could have been better, but hey, like overall, like I said, I, I think I like the episode, and I guess we can, we can get to our final scores in a moment here. But yeah, I do think there's there's definitely some things that could have been tweaked. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. All right, Liam, as you mentioned, it's time to tally up our final scores here. Tallying everything up on my side, I end up with a strong score of 34 out of 40. What about you? Yep, and I am right there behind you with a final score of 33 out of 40. All right, Liam. Well, now is the the age-old question here as far as it comes to rewatchability. Now, we mentioned that this is sort of a pivotal episode in the DCAU because it is the first appearance of a Green Lantern. Uh, it is not the last appearance of the Green Lantern, of course, and it is not even the, the really the first appearance of what would I would say is the Green Lantern of the DCAU, that being Jon Stewart, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I think arguments even nowadays, depending on what they do going forward, is Jessica Cruz could be the Green Lantern for you know the JO or the DCAU, depending on what they do in f- in future incarnations of of uh, of Green Lanterns in in the DCAU. So anyway, mm-hmm. but but so with this not being as pivotal a 
a Green Lantern appearance, where do you fall on the on the rewatchability for this? I think it's still fun, as you mentioned. It is the technical introduction of the concept of Green Lanterns, sure, to the to the world, and obviously it's also the first appearance of Sinestro, who reappears several times between Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, and even a Static Shock episode. So. Uh, yeah, I, I would give this like I'd give this a this is like a one thumb up for rewatchability. I don't think it's a must watch if uh, when we come at it as an episode of Superman, like we talked about, like if you're looking like, hey, I want to watch the best Superman episodes. I wouldn't necessarily say it falls into that category. Like I said, I think it's a fun time, especially the last the last little third of it. Um, but it's not really like a great Superman story. So sure. Depending on what you're coming at this with, what when you're looking at rewatching uh, these shows, um, I don't think it's a must-watch if you've seen it before. But I do think it's fun, and it does have some significance with it being sort of the introduction to these characters for this world. Yeah, that's fair. I think yeah, I think it's fun. It, if you're a Green Lantern fan, it's also one just to watch because it's a it's an appearance uh, and, a, and a focus on one of the more popular Green Lanterns of all time. It's it's a it's it's fun. It also introduces Sinestro, and to the DCAU, he actually obviously plays a plays a role later on in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, as we mentioned. So yeah, I would say it's a it's a one thumb up. It's a it's not. It's not you're not going to miss much by missing out on it, especially if you already know who the Green Lantern is. And because they end up, you know, doing a John, uh, a semi, not a John origin story, but giving you information on who John is later on in in Blackest Night. But uh, so it's not a mandatory watch. But if you're watching through Superman, the animated series, sure. You know, it's not a skip. Agreed. All right, Liam. Well, that will start wrapping us up for this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening. Don't forget, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts while you're here, give us a five-star review. It help us, helps us out immensely. Uh, we've had some reviews over the last couple months that we've seen from our listeners leaving. We're so thankful for that. Thank you, guys, for those yes. that have done that. Don't forget, you can also check us out on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and pretty much any other podcast app that you can find. Uh, or you can always tune in at dcaureview.com. dcaureview.com is home to the archives, Liam, of our previous 121 episodes, plus our additional 10 bonus episodes that we've done this far, thus far, including our most recent, which was a DC, the part one of the DC Directrospective, uh, which we're excited about. And, uh, of course, we've also done recent reviews of each and every digital first edition of Batman The Adventures Continue. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter if you're not doing so already. Get some updates throughout the week on what we'll be doing next. Liam, which will lead us to a segue of what... What we'll be covering next week as we continue in our Green Lantern Month. That's right. We've name-checked him quite a few times already, but seeing as this is the DCAU review, it's only right that we spend at least a couple weeks of our Green Lantern Month focusing on the DCAU Green Lantern, that being Jon Stewart. And we will be doing that next week with an episode from the second season of Justice League, that being Hearts and Minds, parts one and two. There we go. Looking forward to that one. We move back to Justice League. I like this month. We're jumping around a little bit. We're not uh, we're not sticking with one one thing. You never know what's going to come up next. That's right. Sort of Russian roulette with our Green Lantern episode. There. <laughs> All right, Liam. Well, until next time. I am Cal, and I'm Liam. And we'll 
talk to you on the next episode of the BCAU Review. Bye-bye.